Welcome to Choir Talks. I'm glad that you're joining us today. Choir Talks is our weekly podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Um, and today we're going to be looking at um, a scripture that I read this week. This past week, actually, I was on a mission trip with our church. We went to Columbia, South America. Um, boy, just an incredible experience to see how um, the Holy Spirit is moving there. Uh, I've never seen uh, anything like the response that we had to sharing the gospel. And boy, it was just really exciting. And in the middle of that mission trip, um, I just began to read the book of Acts, um, just thinking about how um, the gospel was initially just exploded um, and created the, the early church and how I sort of saw a little glimpse of that in Columbia. So uh, today I'm just gonna share with you a little bit about what I read from, from the book of Acts. Um, this is Acts chapter 6 um, that I came to um, this week as I was reading Acts. And uh, this is the, the passage where the first deacons are chosen. So let me read that story to you, and then we'll come back and talk about it. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So that's a pretty cool story. Every time I've read that story, uh, before, I've just been focused on just sort of it being an historical event when um, about how we came about to have deacons in the church and what the significance of deacons are and what their role of ministry should look like. And, and those are kind of the thoughts that I've normally had reading this passage. But this week, when I read it, I really just began to focus on what it looked like from the apostles' perspective. Um, being somebody who is a, is a church leader, um, I, I empathize with other people who are, are in leadership roles and when stuff is not going right. And uh, so I, I looked at it from their perspective and what it might have felt like to them and how they could have handled it incorrectly but handled it in a great way when they got a complaint. And the complaint was, of course, that the widows of a section of the, the people, the Hebraic uh, Jews, were not being cared for. Right away you see that... Um, there was a uh, dissension, a, a division amongst two factions. There were the, the Hellenistic Jews and then there were the Hebraic Jews, two different groups by birth. The Hellenistic Jews are those who are from the, the Greek world, not, not uh, Jewish uh, by background and by birth. Um, and so the issue was that they were saying that, that the widows were not being taken care of. So when the apostles got this word, this criticism and complaint, um, I just began to look at how did they respond to that 
as a leader, I can empathize with um, other leaders who get complaints um, within their group. And um, often I handle those complaints poorly. And so uh, this passage was instructive to me about how to how godly leaders deal with issues. So um, they have this issue. It's a complaint that rises up. And, and so there's various ways that leaders uh, can deal with complaints and issues. Um, so I'm ask you, you know, in whatever leadership role that you might have, um, how do you respond when somebody points out a problem that is in your organization or a problem that is in your team or a problem with your, your leadership? How do you respond to that? I think criticism helps us um, learn um, about who we are as leaders. Um, I know in my past, and for many people who are leaders, there are inadequate ways to respond. And here's a couple of them. First of all, you can have sort of take the I've failed um, response. When you get a criticism in that that um, is a reflection on your leadership, it's easy to get um, self-focused, and especially for leaders who have insecurities. And the truth is we all have insecurities. And so when, when there's a criticism out there, um, it sometimes can help push our push us to have self-focus and we begin to see our own lack rather than God's strength. If a leader is a self-focused leader, um, then one possible um, issue is that they become discouraged. Rather than seeing the problem, you s- begin to see what that problem says about you in your mind. You see the, the criticism maybe as an indictment on your leadership. And so a self-focused uh, leader who is, um, is insecure uh, becomes discouraged and then rarely fixes the problem. The self-focus keeps them from focusing outward on the solution. So when we feel uh, insecure, we tend to get paralyzed into inaction instead of being catalyzed into action. But then there's an opposite way to deal with criticism when it comes in. Sometimes we are defensive. Um, sometimes we just begin to, to talk about how right we are and how well we're doing things. Uh, and by doing that, we dismiss the problem. And we frustrate the people who see the problem. Um, again, this is a self-focused issue. And I am focused on myself and how I'm perceived as a leader and how things are going and how that reflects on me. And it's easy for me to be defensive and try to, to, um, to help make others see that what I'm doing is good and right instead of seeing the problem. Defensive leaders uh, focus on fixing their reputation rather than fixing the problems. Um, so the apostles didn't respond in either one of those ways. If you, if you notice here, what it says was um, they gathered everybody together. Uh, that word gather sticks out to me. You know, um, if a self-focused leader might separate himself from the group, but they were gatherers. They gathered people together to look for a solution. And as a part of that, um, they said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word. And again, they said we're going to give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. So the complaint um, was a valid complaint, and it pushed the, the apostles to prioritize. Up until this point, apparently, um, this issue of, of dealing with widows was, fell under their leadership, but it shouldn't have. When the, when the apostles realized that their main area of responsibility was the word, then um, 
they also recognized that the need to deal with widows and help the widows was something that needed to be delegated. Um, so sometimes criticism helps us to see more clearly um, what not only a problem is, but, but what our responsibilities are and where we need to focus. What is the main thing that you are called to do? The disciples had to go, uh, had to do some introspection there, and they said, hey, the main thing that we're called to do is to share the word. So in your life and in your leadership, be sure that you're not neglecting the main calling in your life to try to spread yourself over things that other people might be called to do. Later on in this story, you see that there are seven men that God was setting aside, that God already had a plan to use to deal with the widows and, and the issue of serving the widows. But until the apostles prioritized and recognized um, that what their main responsibility was, those seven people were off on the side and not serving in the ways that God intended for them to serve. So um, prioritizing and recognizing what you're called to do is really important. As long as the apostles held on to that responsibility, the widows were going to suffer. Um, but when they recognized their main calling, they opened up ministry avenues for other people. I like um, how they how they communicated. Um, they that when they saw the problem, they gathered people together, and then they said, it, "Here's here's the issue. It's not going to be right for us to move out of our main area of issue." And they they just communicated what the problem was. Complaints can help uh, push us to clarify. Uh, and to highlight issues. And those issues, um, when communicated well, often instead of becoming problems, they become opportunities, opportunities for other people to step up and to be a part of the solution. I like how their solution gave ownership back to the body at large for this, this ministry. Um, up until this moment, the uh, ownership of the ministry to the widows was apparently within the 12, uh, within the apostles themselves. But now, um, in the end of this story, it, is, it becomes a, so something that the whole group has ownership for. This is how that reads to me. Um, in verse 5, it says, this proposal pleased the whole group. Um, now everybody's a part of the solution. They all see themselves. And so it's the people themselves that set aside the seven men uh, here and then they presented those men back to the apostles to be um, codified as, as the leaders. So the people took ownership for the solution, and they made the choice, and they, they sought the Lord out about who the seven people were going to be. And I'm looking at this list of names, which was a struggle for me to pronounce, um, but not being Jewish, it is even apparent to me that some of these names were apparently the Hellenistic Jews. Some of these names came from the faction of people who were complaining in the first place, uh, particularly Nicholas from Antioch, uh, a convert to, Ju to Judaism, it says here. He was not a Hebraic Jew, so uh, he apparently came out of that faction. And I say that to say sometimes the people who complain um, are wanting to be a part of the solution. Sometimes insecure leaders see them, the, the complainers, as the problem rather than the complaint. And really, uh, people who complain often have the knowledge and the ability to be a part of the solution. They're the first person to recognize it, 
um, because God maybe is calling them to be a part of that solution. Don't be, as a leader, somebody who tries to overcome the complainers, but give the complainers a chance to help you in overcoming the problem. Um, and so it says they, they, they prayed and laid hands on them. Uh, I, I like this. They're, part of the godly response is to um, recognize that it was God's power uh, that was going to fix the solution. So they came up with a plan, um, but they didn't implement that plan without prayer and without laying hands on to recognize that it was, it was God's power that was going to be needed through these men to uh, meet the needs of the widows. And then lastly, verse 7, the last one we read, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Um, so the result of initial complaint was that the word of God spread even more rapidly. Um, the complaint that could have been a bad reflection on the leaders really uh, helped them to clarify and communicate, focus, and then be even more productive, and as well as having the needs of the widows met. So I don't know what responsibilities God maybe has given you today and what areas of your life you may be a leader, but uh, I hope that as we've read through these scriptures that, that maybe God highlighted some ways that, that you could be a more effective leader. He certainly did for me. I, I want to be a godly leader like we saw here in these seven verses. Let's pray together. Father, for, for uh, those of us who are called to lead in, in any area of our lives, God, Father, I pray that, that you would help us to want to do that and seek to do that with your power, in your way, with the wisdom that you promise to give those who ask for it. So anyone who is uh, hearing these scriptures today and processing that, Father, I pray that you would be with them, God, that you would uh, highlight to them anything from these scriptures that will help them in the areas which you have called them to lead. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to do that on our own. Father, that your power is always with us, that your wisdom is with us, God, and that you, you, you give to those who uh, humbly ask for your help. So, God, uh, Lord, for those of us leaders today praying for you, to you now, Father, we ask uh, that, that you would give us the help to be godly leaders. And I ask it today in Jesus' name. Hope you guys have a great week. Please join us, if you will, this weekend at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, either here in the house at 1030 Sunday morning or uh, on Facebook or on YouTube. Have a great week.